This is a dill pickle, a mighty pretty pickle, especially when he joins you at the show. We have lots of pretty pickles waiting for you at the refreshment center. They're plump, tender, mouth-watering. Wouldn't one taste good right now? Hello, welcome once again to Cinema à la Carte, a technically a on hiatus podcast. It's now back, uh, a monthly podcast. Uh, let Eric explain what it's all about. But before we do, uh, I'm one of your co-hosts, Philip, from the state of New Hampshire in the U.S. of A. and with me in the state of Michigan. This is Eric. Eric, how's it going, sir? I am well. Excellent. And in the state of New York? Hi, this is Mike. Mike, how's it going? I'm fine, Phil. How are you? Doing all right. Uh, so for folks who have stumbled upon us, uh, who we are, looking for movie, podcast, whatever, uh, we are, once again, Cinema a la Carte, where we discuss uh, numerous types of films. Uh, it's part of the Dark Discussion News Network, which is www.darkdiscussions.com. Uh, that is a a website that is all things genre and movies and all that. So sci-fi, fantasy, thrillers, techno thrillers, mysteries, grindhouse, art house, midnight movies, foreign films, cult films, driving films. Anime, video games, columns, reviews, podcasts, all sorts of things. It's updated daily, so if you are a fan of genre news, it should be a website you should go to daily. Uh, also, we have our email at darkdiscussions.aol.com, and if you uh, email us, we will read your email on the podcast, and all emails are responded to, as long as they're not trolls. And uh, we do have a Facebook group uh, called uh, Dark Discussions Podcast Facebook. All right, so now with all that out of the way, right, Eric, what is this type of podcast? What's this Cinema a la Carte one, though? Cinema a la Carte is kind of a spinoff of Dark Discussions, because uh, we would frequently get into discussions about whether certain titles were uh, appropriate for the Dark Discussions label, whether they were dark enough or not. Um, for, for instance, the Mission Impossible films. <laughs> right, that's what that's what started the whole thing. Uh, so eventually we decided to just do uh, another monthly podcast to talk about titles that wouldn't necessarily fit under the Dark Discussions label. And that's what we're doing here. Uh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, since Dark Discussions podcast was the flagship podcast of the Dark Discussions News Network, uh, since then it has obviously expanded to uh, include these type of films here, as Mike mentioned, uh, Mission Impossible, whatever, anything genre, basically. And uh, we've sectionalized the podcast now so we can have various type of films for various type of podcasts. Um, and we have over 30 podcasts on the network, so there's probably something that interests you. Um, all right, so anything we want to discuss before we get into our topic? Anybody want to bring up something? Well, I'm not sure how long it's been since the last episode was that got released. Um, I know that there was a bit of a backlog. Um, yep, yep. Not that we've recorded a lot, but the whole idea, just for folks to know, um, of doing this was something to do between secondary podcasts. And like we had been doing Bullets, Brothels, and Bots, the Westworld podcast, and You Know Nothing, Jon Snow, the Game of Thrones podcast. And for a little while, Phil and I had done uh, Searching for American Gods. And so we were doing often two podcasts a week. And then 
but usually that second podcast was a TV series. And the idea was to do something in between when we weren't covering a TV series, just like once a month. And it's been a while. And originally it was just because I wasn't going to be available uh, with at the let's say last fall uh, because I was very heavy with uh, school and COVID and stuff like that. And then we also were doing Lovecraft Country and I don't know, somehow we've all been busy. Eric gets in between there then and now started doing like three more podcasts and Phil's done about <laughs> 17 more podcasts and been writing long screeds about uh, the stand uh, TV series. And so anyway, here we are. It's uh, end of April, end of March, rather almost April. And I don't think we recorded since September, August. The yeah, last time like I had episode. So that's yeah. the reason for the long hiatus. And periodically, you know, again, we may be coming and going for that reason. This is basically, hey, let's find a film we want to talk about and talk about it. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, uh, thanks to you for your patience, for everybody who's been patiently waiting for uh, further episodes. Uh, as Micah said, that we have a couple in the can. We'll, we'll be able to be released. And now that uh, a lot of the TV podcasts are wrapping up, uh, actually, uh, they pretty much are all wrapped up. Um, it'll be more uh, time to uh, uh, work on this one here, um, including editing them and getting them out. Um, so, yes, thank you uh, for your patience. Uh, now, Eric, uh, what else can people find on www.darkdiscussions.com? Oh, they can find a bunch of stuff, but I think you're going to try to get me to talk about Patreon. Uh, Patreon service allows you to financially support your online artists like podcasters. If you would like to help us offset the cost of producing this show, because it's not free, we got to pay for stuff. We got to pay for movies. We got to pay for servers. We got to pay for website hosting. Uh, and by we, I mean Phil. Uh, so <laughs> he's going broke doing these podcasts. So if you would like to support us, that's how you can do it. You can go to patreon.com slash dark discussions. For every $5 a month that you would like to donate, you'll have the opportunity to submit a topic for us to possibly cover on the Dark Discussions podcast. We take all the submissions from our patrons and draw one on random on a quarterly basis. So if you're interested in supporting us in that manner, we certainly are grateful for any contributions. You can go to patreon.com slash dark discussions or follow the link on any page of darkdiscussions.com. Yeah, we're no Kevin Smith podcasters, you know, drawing down six figures a year doing podcasting. Uh, right. <laughs> That is true. That is true. That is true. And, and with and all the big nor are we Joe Rogan. That no. bastard. No, no. Uh, yeah, that's true. He's making a, a nice, what is it, 30 million? He's making here. seven figures. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So he makes Kevin Smith look like us. Uh, <laughs> but yes, yes. Uh, uh, so any help would be uh, greatly appreciated. We we do have uh, a lot of changes to the network that cost uh, a lot of additional fees uh, to get it going. Um, and uh, so, yeah, any help would be greatly appreciated. And as Eric said, uh, we will possibly do an episode for you. Um, also, um, uh, we're always looking for other podcasts or columnists. So if you're interested uh, in writing a column for the website, or if you have a podcast that needs a home, um, we're always looking. So you can contact us at darkdiscussions at AOL.com or press the contact us uh, link on the website and uh, put in the subject, uh, something like proposal, 
column proposal podcast or something of that nature so we know that it's not spam. All right. I think that pretty much sums it up. So uh, I guess we can get into our topic tonight. So, uh, Eric, uh, what are we going to discuss tonight? Tonight, we're going to be talking about... Indeed we are. Clytus, I'm bored. What plaything can you offer me today? An obscure body in the SK system, Your Majesty. The inhabitants refer to it as the planet Earth. I like to play with things a while before annihilation. Pathetic Earthlings! Who can save you now? Strange object imaged in the Imperial Vortex. Remove the Earth Woman. Repel her for our pleasure. That's right, uh, Flash. That's awesome. Uh, all right, uh, indeed, uh, Flash Gordon is uh, a film from 1980. Uh, it was directed by, by Mike Hodges, uh, produced by Dino De Laurentiis, uh, the grandfather of Giada De Laurentiis, uh, one of the best uh, celebrity chefs. Uh, also, uh, screenplay by Lorenzo Semple Jr., and based off of uh, the the. Uh, I guess the original serial and, and book and all that, or comic book and all that stuff by Alex Raymond, uh, starring Sam J. Jones, Melody Anderson, Amelia, or, or I should say Amela, Muti, Max von Sydow, Timothy Dalton, uh, Marangela Mulatto, Brian Blessed, Peter Wingard, and Chame Topel. Um, the film, uh, was not a huge box office success, but it did get a lot of note for uh, one reason. The soundtrack was done by Queen, um, as well as Howard Blake. Uh, cinematography, Gilbert Taylor. So uh, I guess we can discuss how we heard about this film and what we thought about it. And uh, let's start with Mike, because Mike actually uh, brought this to the table and suggested it as an episode. So, Mike. I was nine so I have no idea um, how I heard about it. Uh, but I saw that this was coming out on, um, it was an Arrow box set on 4K. It's gotten a little bit of a, um, 
a renaissance, I guess, in its popularity. What's that? You were ten. You were ten. What? It came out in. Wait, late when did December. it come out? In December. Oh, okay. So I would have been ten. All right. Well, I would have heard about it when I was nine. Sure. <laughs> so anyway, and you know, it's, it's certainly a new Flash Gordon uh, at the time because uh, Star Wars had come out three years earlier, and one of the things they talked about was how Star Wars was uh, inspired in part by the. Uh, Flash Gordon and uh, Buck Rogers serials of the 1930s and 1940s. Uh, by the way, coincidentally, uh, unbeknownst that uh, to him at the time, my uh, colleague at work today, so told, not knowing that we were doing this, told me that they just dropped apparently on YouTube all of the old Flash Gordon serials. So if anyone's interested, you could go look those up on YouTube, at least in the United States, if you're interested in watching those and what inspired this and Star Wars and all the rest. So anyway, I was a big science fiction nerd as a kid. I, you know, liked the idea of, you know, oh, here's, we're going to get a Flash Gordon movie. Um, and I'm not really sure what I thought of it at the time. I remember it was not Star Wars. Uh, <laughs> Definitely not Star Wars. Was, what's that? Definitely not Star Wars. Definitely not Star Wars. And, but it was still fun. And certainly the music was awesome. Um, and I've kind of had this long simmering hypothesis in the back of my head that Flash Gordon was a bad movie with an awesome soundtrack. Uh, I think I'm going to pull back on that a bit now having rewatched it, but it was still something that's fun and it was a big part of my childhood. And, you know, we have done so many dark and discussion-y films for dark discussions, you know, movies like Rape, the movie, and Baby Rape, the movie, and Killing Dogs, the movie. Um, and then Killing Dogs 2, the sequel. I thought, let's do something fun. Uh, and this kind of qualifies as fun. And, um, yeah, so I was interested in just revisiting it and talking about it. Uh, I'm glad I did. And I've, like, I've got the Arrow box set, and I kind of uh, binged everything that was in it. Um, and I, like I said, I think my, my critique of it being a bad film with a great soundtrack is it was incorrect. But it is just definitely an odd film for its time. Um, it is certainly a very dated film in a way. So I can certainly see a lot of people not quite uh, grooving onto what makes it popular. But I can see a lot of people who do. Um, regardless, the soundtrack is still awesome. And it's still the biggest selling point of the entire film. All right. Sounds good. Very good. Thank you, Mike. Um, yeah, for me, um, I actually... Um, when my parents would go on vacation, I was the same age as Mike when I saw the film. Um, they would uh, drop me off at my paternal or, or my maternal grandparents. And at this point I was at my maternal grandparents. So the Portuguese side and my first cousin and also godfather, Joey was, a. Uh, um, renting a room with uh, my grandfather. So he, he was hanging out, obviously living there. And uh, when I was there for a week while my parents were in Utah or California or Michigan or wherever the hell they were, um, I followed my, my older cousin around like a, a little toady. And uh, he went to a film. He brought me to a couple of films. One of them was Battle Beyond the Stars, but the other one was Flash Gordon. And uh, so me and him went to see this film. Um, and that's my first viewing. The second viewing was was a couple of times since then, uh, but I hadn't seen it probably since the late 90s until last night when uh, I rewatched it. Um, and yeah, this film is great. I love this film. Uh, I loved it when I first saw it at the theaters. I 
loved it last night when I rewatched it. It's exciting. Uh, it's fun. Uh, it's campy intentionally at points, and it's also uh, uh, a midnight movie at points. But it also uh, has a really good, uh, I guess, um, heroic story to tell. And uh, so, as Mike said, it's not uh, as dark, even though there are some dark scenes. Uh, the th- thing that's cool is the number of the ca- actors that uh, folks may know uh, actually play it straight st- the entire film. So uh, the acting is actually really good in most cases uh, for a film that was intentionally to be a little, as, as Mike said, off, I guess. Um, but yeah, no, this is a great film. Um, it deserves its cult film status. And it's a shame that um, it, it didn't do better than it should have because uh, they, they most certainly would have made it a franchise had it uh, done as good as, as uh, they had hoped. Uh, but yeah, uh, big thumbs up for me and a uh, uh, great film. Uh, Eric? Um, I was younger than Mike uh, when this movie came out, but I do remember seeing it in the theater. Weirdly enough, uh, you still are younger than me. It's funny how that works. Uh, yeah, it's that's weird. Um, but yeah, this, this movie, uh, you know, it was funny cause I had kind of shoved all this to the back of my brain until I rewatched this movie, but I was in the first grade and, um, there was a scene in this movie that absolutely terrified me. I thought it was some serious, scary shit. Uh, and then there was another scene in this movie that I thought was awesome. Uh, and I have vague memories of my friends and I in first grade, uh, recreating the uh, the platform battle uh, on the merry-go-round in the playground. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, there there were basically three things I had an actual memory of from this movie, and watching it again, yeah, those things still stuck out. Um, this movie is seriously campy. Um, so if you haven't seen it somehow, know that going into it. Um, if you're into this movie. I recommend picking it up on 4K because um, they actually did a hell of a restoration on this thing. It looks fantastic. It looks probably better than it did when it came out in theaters in, in 1980. Um, so if you're into it, I recommend the 4K disc. Um, yeah, so we're going to be talking about details of the movie, but uh, generally it, it had uh, an impact on me at a young age, and then I kind of forgot about it. So revisiting it brought back all sorts of memories. And I can't get myself to say that this is a good movie, but I can definitely say it's a good time. Well, here's the thing. Here's what I think is interesting. I think maybe the most important person in this and the production of this might be uh, Lou Semple, who wrote the screenplay, because he was one of the main uh creative forces behind the Batman TV series with Adam West. (laughs) That makes a lot of sense. Right. And so when you see that, and when you know that, when I do that, uh, or like, because I've binged a lot of the Batman stuff. I've got that DVD set. um, And I saw that name. I was like, that seems familiar. And I looked it up. I was like, oh, right. Okay, Batman. Right. So this was not a case of they were trying to do Star Wars and didn't. They were trying to do Batman with Flash Gordon. (laughs) And if you can put your head in that space, 
I think you, you will have a much easier time of to enjoy it. I think that might have hurt the film at the time, because by this point, science fiction had changed. We'd had Star Wars. We'd had Alien. <clears throat> but you also had a lot of these people who didn't grow up with good, with good, hard science fiction in the same way that a lot of filmmakers of today have. And so they still looked at it as a cheesy, campy thing. And so you would get things like Logan's Run that, you know, while trying to be serious, has also got a lot of cheesy, campy stuff in it. And um, and Buck Rogers or, you know, Battlestar Galactica, you know, Battlestar Galactica, which tries to do a science, serious science fiction show. And so wipes out most of humanity and the survivors then go to a space casino. Um, because that's sort of the, the, the weird mindset they had. Um, so it's in a weird in-between spot in, in, in science fiction history, I think, and in science fiction cinema. Um, I think that might be one of the reasons it never quite caught on. Apparently it did well in Europe, but hmm. it didn't, didn't do well in the States. And, you know, that was what was ruling for box office. They didn't do, you know, global box office reports back then, or at least not on the, you know, not in the main papers and in the trade magazines. But, um, yeah, I, so it's just, it's a weird thing, but I think looking at it in that light, that it is, as you said, campy and intentionally campy. This is the movie they intended to make. Mm-hmm. So. And, and yet, and yet certain actors, um, like I said, played it completely straight with no winking at the audience at all, which was made it even more of an interesting film. I feel such as like Timothy Dalton. He played, <laughs> I was about which, to say it blew my mind to see Timothy Dalton in this movie because I did not know who he was when I was in first grade um, and had pretty much forgotten about this movie for a long time. So, so to see the then future James Bond <laughs> dressed up as like a Robin Hood kind of deal, I was like, what? <laughs> This is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. It, it was actually um, my first time seeing him too, and so when he became Bond, it was like, hey, oh my god, the guy from Flash Gordon is Bond. Um, but yeah, uh, the the cast is interesting too because it's it's truly a uh, a international cast all around, um, and that's kind of interesting because we have uh, Topol, obviously, who's uh, Israeli, famous for Fiddle on the Roof. Timothy Dalton, we just mentioned, Amelia. Uh, I mean, I keep on saying Amelia. Amilla Moody was was a big star um, in in Italy and and uh, other European countries. Uh, obviously, uh, Max von Sydow, uh, Maria Angela Mulatto was another big uh, Italian actress at the time, um, and then um, Peter Wingard and Brian Blessed, uh, and a couple more Brits that that were uh, well known for for TV and stuff over there. So so it was. It was doesn't surprise me that it actually may have done better over there just for the name recognition of the actors versus uh, over here who, you know, in the U S you know, we didn't hear of any of these actors um, even though they were big overseas. Um, so yeah, it was, it's kind of interesting um, how that was put together. I mean, Sam Jones and Melody Anderson were, were probably newcomers really when you think about it. Yeah, um, Sam Jones, I th- almost I definitely was. Um, I'm sure, uh, well, I mean, Max on Seidel, this is probably the first thing I ever saw him in. Uh, sure. I must, Phil, did your parents let you watch The, watch the Exorcist before this? Um, yeah, believe it or not, I may have seen The Exorcist <laughs> on regular TV before this. Yeah, yeah, certain films, it was weird. My parents allowed me to watch uh, real R-rated films that weren't, in their opinions, uh, bad, even though they could traumatize people. So, so anything about, like Coppola, Scorsese, 
uh, obviously the Exorcist, um, the Omen. They let me see the thing because I, I saw I read the book, and so so. But of course, it was other type of R-rated films. that go, nope, you can't watch them. So I, it was it was rhyme or reason, no rhyme. I was I was about to say, yay consistency. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was mostly. Yeah, I, I know. I, there is no consistency. I, well, this I, is where I think you get your your obsession with the Grindhouse films, because I'm guessing those are the films they wouldn't have let you watch. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, no, you know what? I, th- I think it was because of ta- Taxi Driver, because that is kind of right. a, a grimy Grindhouse hey, film. Phil, how old were you when you saw Taxi Driver? At the same age I was when I saw this film, 10 years old. <laughs> I am right. That movie was the best. Yeah. But like Brian Blessed, I, I knew, uh, I know now, um, like as part of uh, the Royal Shakespeare Company, and he did a lot of films with Kenneth Branagh, a lot of his Shakespeare films. Um, so, but I, this is the first film I, I'd seen him in. So yeah, these were serious actors. They may not have been well-known at the time. Uh, some of them may not be well-known anymore at all. Um, but like Timothy Dalton has been nice to see to have had a good career post-Bond. Um if not a, a spectacular, like star-studded one, he's continued to get work. But yeah, it is a great cast, and you know that's part of the thing with camp is that you're not you're not making it straight, but you're playing it straight. You know, Adam West, Burt Ward, you know, they never winked to the audience. You know, the villains and you know, like you know, Frank Gorshin and Cesar Romero never played it. You know, winked to the audience in the in the Batman TV series. They played it straight within that world, and they play everything here straight in this world. Um. And that sincerity, I think, um, I, I loved, I don't know if either of you had listened to the Brian Blessed uh, commentary track. I have not had the opportunity. No, I uh, not. Well, one of the things he, compl- and I think he makes a great point, and he consistently says, uh, almost to the point of droning, uh, that it's a great, it is a great commentary, in my opinion, very fun, is that. Sam Jones is perfect for Flash Gordon because he's pure and he keeps reciting that word pure, meaning that no matter what angle you look at him as, no matter, you know, there's no angle where he does not look the part of the hero. Right. You look at um, like Chris Evans, who plays Captain America. We've seen him play heels in different films and shitheads in different films. Right. You can light him in a way that's sinister. And and his insistence is that. Sam Jones, you cannot make look sinister. He is just the all-American hero, and yeah. never gets away. And that, and I think that's very true. I think that is very much the case with um, with Sam Jones. Makes him a perfect Flash Gordon um, in, a, in in this particular vehicle, where he is a a hero that is so heroic and so charismatic that not only does he when Ming the Merciless over to his side, kind of by the end of the film, he was actually able to win the Jets a Super Bowl. <laughs> I was thinking that too. I was thinking that too. I was thinking that was the most unrealistic part of the film. <laughs> well, this is 1980. It, it, that's how old the movie is. It wasn't that ridiculous to think that the Jets could win a Super Bowl because they had won one. What was it? 11 years earlier. 11 years earlier. Yep. So it wasn't quite as ridiculous. Joe Namath. Yes. Yeah, no, that's true. That's true. That's that's a fair point. Um, I forgot that he was he was it was the Jets when I was rewatching the film last night, as I said, and and, and they said Jets. I was like, no way, that's hilarious. <laughs> but again, yeah, from 1980s, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I remember back 
uh, before 1986, the Patriots were considered a joke. And then in 2000, or I forget what year that, or maybe whatever the year Rod Rust was the coach, and they went 116, 115. Uh, they we couldn't even watch the 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 Patriots on TV because they were blacked out because they couldn't <laughs> fill the stadium. So yeah, so so it, it makes you know everybody's had their, their downs and and stuff, and Jets may be down right now, but but. Uh, they got a good draft. Anybody can have a bad half century. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Just ask the the Cubs and the and the Indians if you want to go baseball. And the Red Sox. And the Red Sox, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, actually the Red Sox were always competitive though. It's just that they couldn't win. You know? So it's a little different. You know. While the while the, the Cubs and the Cleveland Indians used to always suck. Anyway. And, yeah. Anyways, we're, we're off topic there. Um, so uh, I'm impressed that you brought it up, Mike, because I was I was waiting for Eric to bring up the Jets comment first. I thought he was going to. Well, <laughs> first of all, as the non-football yeah. fan here, I am, however, the native New Yorker. Well, actually, Eric is a is a former New Yorker. Uh, he abandoned his home state. I did. Um, but uh, as the, you know, the, the, certainly it's that is a thing that would stick out to me and, and laugh at because I guess he probably was right. You know, he was the pretty boy quarterback and that kind of does fit the Joe Namath mold. So I guess yep. I can understand that. Right. Because that was when Joe Namath was on TV putting on pantyhose. Yes, that's right. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He was he made a uh, uh, entire career out of that one Super Bowl. Uh, you know, good for him. He, he was doing broadcasting and everything. Yeah. Commercials. He's still doing commercials today. 50 years later, 51 years, later, 52 years later. Holy shit. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. My God, that's it's been 52 years. That's disgusting. Yeah. Yeah. And, and anyway. I, I, anyway, yeah. So, um. Yeah, yeah, the uh the film uh I I was actually surprised when when I got older, you know, like my 20s and stuff and found out that this film and uh what was the other one that I thought was good but always was was thrown in the same category as this one as a um black hole Black Hole, mm. and uh, you know, th- I always thought those were good films. You know, when I was a kid, I, I loved those films. And then when I got older, I, I you know, you start reading reviews and finding out uh, on the internet when the internet first appeared that these films were considered, yeah, yeah, not too good. I was like, no way. And I rewatched both of them, and, and no, no, those are good films. They're good films. Well, I mean, look, it, and this is not the first time I've said this on the podcast. It's. Uh... Children have shitty taste, <laughs> but when a thing gets, and I'm not, I haven't actually watched Black Hole in a while. Children do see things differently. They perceive things different and stuff made for kids is made differently than for adults. So sometimes that's just a case of, you know, you know what it's not made for you. Um, but kids also do have kind of very bad ability to distinguish between good and bad stuff. They latch onto, Ooh, bright colors and vibrant action and and what good have music. you and good music you know whatever it may be that they really get into so and it's football. hard and sometimes there's things stuff. that you don't you don't want to revisit as an adult for that fear that you're going to find out it actually secretly sucked and you just didn't know any better when you saw it when you were five but i know a lot of people who just cannot watch a thing objectively that they saw when they were five, six, seven years old, can't go back and rewatch it and, and, and admit to themselves. Yeah. 
it's not good. You know, it's just it's just not a very good movie um, or TV series or whatever it may be. You know, stuff that doesn't age well. Some people they they never take those glasses off, and I don't have a problem with that. Um, but yeah, certainly. Well, like, like I said, this is not a movie I'm ever going to be able to view objectively because it does hit so many little nostalgic buttons for me. Um, you know, I'm well, curious to see how kids, you know, today would enjoy it. Oh yeah, I mean, if you showed this to like an eight year old or ten year old, they, they would freaking love this. I think. You know, I mean, but but you know, I mean, I, I rewatched some of the Tom Baxter. Uh, is it Tom Baxter? Tom Baxter uh, for Doctor Who? Is it Tom? First name's Tom. Baker. Right. Baker. Tom Baker. Tom Baker. Um, uh, who? Doctor Who's, and you know, those are kind of cheesy too, but they're still r- real fun, and and they still are considered good, even though you know, if you had someone watch it that had no idea what Doctor Who was and saw this, they would go, "This is cheesy and stupid and and ridiculous," you know, and and yet, yet. You know, we think I think it's it's still awesome. So I I don't I don't. Well, here's the thing though, and I, I've I've been having this argument over on a basement movie cast as well, uh, which is that just I think just because you enjoy something doesn't necessarily make it a good movie. I think you can enjoy bad movies, and I, when you're just describing that as uh, cheesy and stupid. I don't think a movie that's cheesy and stupid you can call good, but you can certainly enjoy it. Well, I believe there there was once a uh, a podcast that was called Horror, etc. <laughs> once upon and, a time, and uh, once upon a time, and I clearly remember uh, one of its hosts by the name of Kingstown Ted talking about uh, I think the filet of fish theory, which is that sometimes you know filet of fish is not good for you. Does it mean it isn't tasty? No, it's not. That's not good food. And sometimes you just want a fillet of fish. You don't always want a lobster. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I think that very much goes with some films. Is that you know what? Sometimes we like our cinematic junk, and it fills a role. And we can't watch, well, maybe being the exception, nothing but very heavy, serious, self-important dramas. Mm-hmm. But um, I will say say this, Mike. I will say this. Uh, especially recently in the past few years, a lot of those self-important dramas suck. And, and, you know, I mean, if you look at the Oscar list of, of the last six years and including probably this year too, uh, I'd rather watch Dr. Who and, and Flash Gordon any day over 90% of that crap. Oh, and maybe, and it, and you can absolutely get, you know, and I can go through, but that's not what this podcast is. You know, serious films that I thought were, I just did not like at all, that I thought were pan, uh, ponderous or preachy. Um, and sometimes, but then sometimes you get ones that do manage to, you know, prove their, their worth. I think it's just generally easier to make a drama. It's always easier to make somebody cry, I think, than it is to make somebody laugh. Um, and we talked about this going all the way back to our Zombievers episode, that just because something is silly doesn't mean it's stupid. <laughs> you know, right? That you can you right. can have something that is it is hard to make a silly film and make it well. It's hard to and make then, one that works and make one that works, yeah. right? And and look, I mean, like uh, I rewatched uh, sometime in the last year, I rewatched Airplane. Um, very silly film, very well made film. <laughs> right. It has been 
It has been copied to death. And not all those copies are particularly good. Lots and lots of really bad spoof movies. And it, it, it takes more than just a going through the motions of stupid jokes. Stupid jokes. You do have to have the acting, the directing, the writing, and all the rest of that. And that will get us back to Flash Gordon, where it is a campy film, but you can do campy badly, and you can do campy well, and I think it does campy well. I'll agree with that statement. Yeah, yeah. I'm absolutely, just saying, absolutely. as far as talking about quote-unquote good movies, I will be much less inclined to argue with somebody who says, I love that movie, rather than, that's a great movie. Because I think those are two different statements. That's all I'm trying to specify. Right. Well, and it depends on what what the definition of a great movie is. I mean, obviously, we can look and point to certain films and say, yeah, that's a great film. But a lot of, quote, unquote, great films are given that title from, you know, these elite pricks that, if you ask me, they they have no taste at all. So what what gives them an authority when they say it's a great film or, or a crappy film and us say, yeah, because they were right. put on a board of people right. that make those decisions. Yeah. But, but again, we, we've discovered over the years <laughs> how, how all that is done now. Right. I mean, when we were kids or younger, you know, or, or before the internet, you didn't know how people got the jobs that they get. And now with the internet, we know how it all works now. It's mm-hmm. it's all establishment crap. It's all fake. It's all bullshit. And well, and, so I think you have an extreme opinion, and I don't want to go off the rails here. But Phil, if you want to be, look, if you want to give Harvey Weinstein a blowjob, you can be in the academy too. That's just <laughs> that's my point exactly. We now know how it all works. It's all a crock. But we've always known how it works. But that that this so you is don't a think any film that's ever won an Oscar is good. I did not say that. I said we, we can point to a lot of films. Uh, and I was going to use some examples. I was going to say Godfather, for example. And, and that's a great film. You can say that's a great film, right? And and then you can say, you know, uh, you know the, the latest B film that we get a screener for is crap. You know, that's mm-hmm. – but, but then you have these, these people – these other films that aren't the Godfather and are not the crap. And you have these assholes who just say, oh, well, it's just not good. And it's like, fuck you, you <laughs> Take your Ivy League degree and go shove it. You know, you, you white privileged piece of shit, mother bleeper. So you know what I'm talking about. So that's like Cisco Niebert giving bad reviews to the thing and to aliens. <laughs> there you go. There you go, Mike. Good point. That's a fine analogy. I, I'll go with that. Right. So, you know, those two guys just got a platform and they're saying this is a good film or a bad film. And it's like, they're not necessarily right. That's just their opinion. That's all I'm saying, Rick. I guess you could say. But that's all I'm saying, too. You're reinforcing my argument. It's all just opinion. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's what I was about to say. I was saying you were saying the exact thing, which is, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. I, I just, like you said, I, I just went on my, my rant, is all. Off the rails. As you do. Yes. As I do sometimes. Wouldn't be a, wouldn't be a podcast without a Phil rant. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't have <laughs> have them every week, just just every so often. I think they've been increasing in frequency over the years. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're creeping into the grumpy old man territory there, Phil. Yeah, yeah. Watch his true. watch his belt line there, Eric. <laughs> He's gonna start creeping up towards his nipples. He's gonna start oh, crashing yeah, down. Yeah, 
Yeah, that's true. You never know. Jeez, oh, don't even say it. Well, we're old, Mike. We're old. <laughs> yes. Yes, we are. I just was doing interview job interviews with people who 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 uh, were born the year I started working at my current job. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. When, when you start seeing baseball players that are playing that are are born after you're graduating from high school, or football players for that matter, Eric. Uh, it's, yeah. it's sad. It's I've, I've seen children of players I watched when I was younger right. in the right. NFL. I'm like, fuck. Yeah, yeah. What was so, it? Fra- uh, Frank Gore, right? Was the one you mentioned to me? Yeah, Frank Gore Jr. is in college now. Jesus. Yeah. One thing, uh, not to get too political, but the one thing I will say I'm definitely thankful of, uh, of Donald J. Trump for is that he put off the day for a little bit while longer where we have a president who is younger than I am. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, so, and, and, uh, and Joe, well, we too. do have Supreme Court justices who are younger than I am now. So fuck that. That's true. That is true. Yes, yes, that is true. It's all horrible. Yes, yes, it is. Now, back to this film, since I'm sure that's why the people... Uh, here to hear hear about. Um, I guess we have a wiki, Eric. We haven't even got to that yet. Wiki, wiki. All right. A football player and his friends travel to the planet Mongo and find themselves fighting the tyranny of Ming the Merciless to save Earth. That's kind of a lie because they they're all strangers. They're not friends. They <laughs> I, I friends. almost put that out in the middle of it, but I figured I'd finish first. <laughs> Yes, yes. Um yeah, yeah. I mean, uh that that that's fair though. That's that's a fair otherwise. It's pretty close. Yeah. 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 It works. Yeah. Now now is Flash a narcissist because he wears a, a shirt that says Flash? <laughs> I, I think it's a marketing thing. Um, I think you're right. I think you're right. Yeah. He's Joe Namath. Right. <laughs> right. I, I though even as a kid, I always thought that was a uh I always thought that was silly. Uh, In a shirt with his own name on it? That he wore it there. Right. I just, it felt like, it felt to me like those old uh, Ben Cooper Halloween costumes where there was like the the cheap vinyl outfit. (laughs) And it would would basically come with like a Spider-Man mask and this cheap vinyl onesie that said Spider-Man on it. I remember that shit. Yeah, I see. I remember those too, yeah. But he doesn't wear it for the entire film. You know, he does get stripped naked at one point um, and put into some tight leather shorts. (laughs) (laughs) You liked that, didn't you, Mike? (laughs) Oh, I guess they they were hoping women would would come to the film, too. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, there's all sorts of outfits in this movie. The the uh, the costuming was pretty extravagant. It was awesome. It is awesome. It's definitely costuming of another time, you know. Mm-hmm. It's um, and it's one of the sort of last hurrahs where costumes could look like costumes. Right, well, right. apparently many of them were incredibly heavy. Like, I guess Max von oh, Sydow's outfit weighed something like seventy pounds, and he could only go about fifteen minutes it's before a bad he bro. <laughs> Oh, yeah. oh, that's too funny. Yeah, and I do. I will say I love Von Sydow in this. I think he is a fantastic villain. Um, and it's, and I never write, and I never really thought about it. I think it's because he is so restrained and calm throughout the whole thing. He's a cruel, cruel person, 
he, he talks about things. He's basically talking about raping Dale Arden. Yeah. And he does everything, though, in this sort of, like, it's not, like, emotionless, right? But he never gets too excited. He never gets angry. He's just always confident and knows he's going to get whatever he wants. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's just this evil glee he plays, you know, throughout the whole thing. It's just, just so weird and so enticing. And, you know, plus he's Max von Sydow, so he has that whole Max von Sydow presence that, unfortunately, they never learned to bottle and market. <laughs> um, yeah, he is terrific. Um, but it's just that sort of casual cruelty, I guess. Maybe that's what I'm looking mm-hmm. for. Yeah. I would concur with that. Yeah, and and he he was more of a uh, have his his minions do the the work for him type of guy because you know he has the the um, the metal face guy and the, and the 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 chick uh, right. Gen- General Kama and General Clytus. Who? Oh, uh, Clytus. 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 Okay. Yeah, and Kala was was the the woman that always worked with him. Gotcha. Gen- yeah. Um, but um, so, like, there's the the scene where they're torturing uh, Princess Aurora, yeah. and it's like you know, my father won't stand when my father hears of this, he'll have your balls, whatever it is that she says. <laughs> and then they just like you know, we like pull back the mirror, and he's been watching her the whole time, like just sitting there eating the popcorn as they torture his daughter. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh God. Yeah, that's a true sociopath right there. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, he was pissed. You're right. She she betrayed him, so she he, she had to learn. She had to learn is what 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 he said, right? Because he said, "Don't they, kill her. Just <laughs> banish her to the ice planet for." A they, year. And this is why you have to show this movie to your daughters. <laughs> so. They need to know what will happen when they're naughty and they don't obey their daddy. Punish. Uh, so I, I have a I have a question. That has been bothering me since 1980. So luckily I pushed it to the back of my brain for a long time, but now it's back. So remember the scene in the throne room when they're, when they're first brought in and flash ends up fighting a bunch of the guards and there's this thing. Somebody throws it to him. It's this thing. It kind of resembles a, a metal watermelon <laughs> and it's kind of footballish shaped so he could use his magic football powers to fight the guards <gasps> what the fuck is that thing what well, was it doing there and what is its intended it, purpose it, i'll tell you it was uh one of the gifts that one of the tribes or, or planetary aliens or whatever you want to call them uh were bringing from to ming but what is it? I, I assumed it's sort of like a giant Faberge egg. Yeah, you know. Okay. Is that it's just it's that's just jewels. Like Ming owns these planets, right? You know, the, the Mongo has pulled all these worlds and these moons into its orbit, um, and and subjugated them and turned them on each other, uh, and make them you know basically throw themselves at uh, his feet and to and give him gifts to show. Who is the most loyal? Who is the bestest and mm-hmm. most loyal servant? And so they're all throwing gifts at him. So that was just somebody's gift. I don't remember whose gift it was. And I have no idea. Like, for all I know, it, you know, it was like the 
Mongo version of a Floby. I have absolutely no idea. <laughs> okay. What it's that just me? What it was. It doesn't really matter. It just it was this thing that allowed, as you said, Flash to tap into his natural gift. If it was like a puck, he would have been fucked. Right? <laughs> Right. Been like, what do I do with this? <laughs> like, so just, even at the football. age of six or seven, however old I was when this came out, I was like, why the fuck is there a, wa- a metal watermelon here? I don't understand. Um, you know, you know, it's funny, the guy that played uh, Prince Prince uh, Thun, Thun yeah. I think it was, um, that was Katanga from uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, he was the, the captain. Oh, all right, all right. Yeah, I, yep. because it, I, one of the things I do know is that Thorn in the comic strip, the original, was a lion man. Mm, okay. And if you saw the lizard men in this movie, you can understand why they didn't do a lion man in this movie. <laughs> um, but I just thought it was weird that they just turned him the lion man into, like, an African prince um, and then immediately killed him because, <laughs> boy, would they get shit for that now. Uh, yeah, yeah, I was thinking that. But I well, think well, he was—he was more like the Chewbacca of the original story, <laughs> you know. Um. So yeah, okay. Yeah, I, I know the film has had a little backlash recently when when they came out with a list of films that aren't aren't woke uh, because they they said that Ming uh, was an Asian stereotype. I, well, he was. He's a fucking alien. Yeah, right. he's an alien. But the, the design, the original design, you know, first of all, he's it's of of Ming was a, like a like a Fu Manchu inspired look. I have no idea who came first, Fu Manchu or Ming the Merciless. Um, but you know, he has the 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 mustache, the beard, and he originally had this like yellowish green skin. Mm-hmm. So I get that, but they didn't cast, you know. Uh, an Asian actor in the role, <laughs> you know, they, they, they cast Max von Sydow. But he's an alien. <laughs> right. But a very clearly proper British alien. Well, and, no, he's Swedish. Sorry, right. As far as the whole representation in movies go, I think that there needs to be some sort of statute of limitations on that shit. Because uh, you go back far enough to like the 80s and oh my God, nothing. <laughs> Nothing that came out of the eighties is appropriate in any way, shape, or form. Uh, but it's but it was a different time, and I I don't think it's fair to judge things in the past by our modern standards. Oh no! And Leo, I was watching. I think it was Ben Hur. Uh, back when theaters were open, they had like a re-release anniversary re-release of Ben Hur. Uh, and there's a scene. You know, first of all, you got the Jewish Charlton Heston. So there's that. Um. Well. Well. Yeah. But. 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 Uh, does it matter? Robert De Niro played a Jew, and he's he's Catholic. No. 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 But the thing is, you had um, you had him uh, dealing with a, a, a some Arab trader, and it was this basically a guy with brown makeup on. Um, I, who I'm fairly certain was not actually remotely Mediterranean. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's yeah, it's you, know, you get you know Mickey Rooney in, in Breakfast at Tiffany's. There's ones that are like li- really kind of pushing the limits, but not everyone was. And you know, it it was what it was. And I'm sorry that it was made that way, but it is there. It's part of the history. And if you don't want to watch it, don't freaking watch it. 
But he's an alien. Yeah, I know he's an alien. But he's an alien that resembles... Well, I mean, so is George R. Binks, right? And that got people... (laughs) Yeah, that's true. People got upset with that, too. That hasn't aged well, either. You're right. Holy smokes. Even even, uh, Aladdin, for crying out loud. The the live-action one. They were already complaining about. Yeah, you watch uh, that. Uh, well, we had a, you know the kids watch it every so often, but I haven't watched it now. Uh-huh. I don't, no, I don't watch the live action ones. Right. They suck. Okay. I watched it. it I, was I watched there. the cartoons. I watched the cartoons. <laughs> the cartoons. Original was awesome. Aladdin. Yeah, it was awesome. Robin Williams. That's right. That's right. Rest in peace. Rest in peace. Yeah. Um. So yeah, yeah. I mean, it's uh, it's interesting, but yeah, whatever. You know, that's whatever. Um, so uh, the film's awesome. <laughs> well, awesome. and I kind of uh, I don't know if I'd really remembered the Birdmen in this movie. Oh, I, uh, yeah, I forget I, what their official race name is. Of, uh, oh, yeah, I but Prince Voltan, oh my God, he was cracking me up. Uh, he was my he was favorite like, character during during yeah, that oh, fight at oh. the beginning. He's just like randomly bonking guards on the head and looking around like I didn't do it. I didn't do it. Yeah, yeah I think it's just one. I think it's just the Hawkmen. Yeah, the Hawkmen. Yeah, I think that's there the are, there, there, okay. there's the there's the Arboreans and the Hawkmen, right? Or the two main. Yeah, the two main races uh, are right. planets. Well, one of the things I loved in rewatching and really like trying to scrutinize it for the podcast is really the two princes, Prince Baron and Prince Voltan, are massive assholes. <laughs> they yeah. are they are well, not he heroes. Watching by... his own daughter get tortured. Why are you calling him an asshole? <laughs> <laughs> well, is that because Ming isn't? They don't turn Ming into a hero at the end, right? So right. it's like. Flash just shows up in their lives. These guys who are trying to uh, betray and murder each other for Ming's favor. And I'm not arguing that they don't have good motivation, right? Because this is all a policy of living under Ming over this, uh, uh, under this uh, totalitarian regime. Um, if we want to, but you know, where clearly they have rules for, you know, you, you, uh, ransoming princes who venture outside their, their capital and all this other stuff. But, they're not good people. <laughs> like we we do see like in the in the throne room scene. I guess it was a lot of it was improvised, where uh, Brian Blessed is tripping over the guards or hitting the one in the head mm-hmm. with this yeah. little uh, I guess parrot right. mace. Yeah, um, I mentioned that. I mentioned right. So he's on the one hand he seems he's clearly not happy with Ming, and the other hand he has no problem turning Flash over to him. Um, that once he gets. Flash and the Baron, he, you know, he, he sets them into a battle to the death. He's on... trying to get ahead. Yeah, and that's it. And and that's it. I mean, they were, they were for a PG rated film in 1980. They were about as, they were fairly vicious characters, right? And they were fairly um, Machiavellian characters. And it's just weird that in my memory, wow. you know, these are heroic well, you got to remember they—they're—it's like—they're—they're they're like uh, a lot of the the villains that turn to not real villains, but but guys that are, uh, I guess, amoral or indifferent that turn into uh, heroes. You know, like Han Solo, for example, or or various other characters. They—they they just um, uh, 
when they see the opportunity to be the hero, they become the hero. You know, I mean, that's just how Tell it you is. What though, Prince Voltan had a lot of characteristics that I associate in my head with uh, dwarven fantasy characters. Very oh, gruff, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things I love, again. Listen to the. I strongly recommend if you get the the set. Listen to the Brian Blessed soundtrack. Um, is that he said when he was a kid in the 30s, he's an old man now, uh, still one of the greatest voice in cinema. Um, but when he was a kid in the 30s and growing up, he and his friends were 40s. He and his friends would play Flash Gordon, and he would always play Voltan. <laughs> so this was literally him reliving his childhood. Nice. You know, and, and he says for all the films he's made, dozens of films he's made, this is still his favorite film is the most enjoyable film he made. Um, you know, and they talk, you know, he talks about how at the end when they're storming uh, Mongo City, uh, he grabs a blaster and he's shooting and he's going, <laughs> you know, making sound effects <laughs> with, with shooting the gun because he's just having a ball with it. Um and he, he really enjoyed doing this. He had fun with it. Uh, and he is also, by the way, vehemently opposed to anybody remaking it, which, <laughs> you know, I, we, we could, that's a whole separate argument. Um, because, he, you know, he just thinks this is like the perfect Flash Gordon. You know, my argument is, you know, if he got to grow up and play Voltan, somebody else should be allowed to grow up and play Voltan, too. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's... Uh, oh, God, yeah, it just, it's just... And he does play it so big, right? And so operatic, mm-hmm. um, and mischievous. Right? He's got that this whole time. He's got that evil, like mis- well, I don't know, evil. This mischievous glint in his eye, right? Like when he's tripping over the guards and hitting him in the head, or even goosing Dale, mm. um, and watching them. Like he's like, "Give me the remote control." You know, and laughing his ass off as the spikes are nail- nearly impaling these guys as they're <laughs> fighting. Um, it's a it's a lot of fun. So, anyhow, what else would we like to talk about? Uh, I want to talk about the scene um, on Arborea where they make Flash put his hand in that stump thing. Yeah, that scene's awesome. That scene scared the fuck out of me when I was a kid. <laughs> Same here. I think I might have had bad dreams about that, about about sticking my hand in the, in the thing with a thing inside waiting to sting me. Yeah, I think this is one of those that often comes up when someone, every now and then, somebody on the horror forums on Facebook brings up the topic of a horror scene in a non-horror movie. Mm-hmm. You know, and you have like the earworms and Wrath of Khan. Um, right, that's a good one. That, that's a good one. And, and then this is another example. And, and I'll not, not only really say this, but I think there's also when Flash is running through the swamp and there's this trap that springs up around him, this creature. Oh, yeah, that was that caught me by surprise. I didn't remember that. Yeah, and, that was awesome. Awesome. And then in keeping with the sort of logic you that only applies to kids serial movies like serialized is that he's flash is being eaten alive by this monster in the forest, which Prince Baron then kills to save flash. So he could then shoot flash. 
Because that's what it is, right? Because Flash can't go more than five minutes without something killing him, something trying to kill him, mm-hmm. or someone betraying him. I um, also liked um, the scene where Princess Ara teaches him how to communicate telepathically with uh, Dale. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, oh, she's really turning me on. Yeah. And I was like, what? what was like, that? Oh, nothing. Nothing, never mind. <laughs> and I've actually got it on the background just watching. You know, the art design is fantastic. It's very, you know, when the ship arrives to Mongo, it's very, you know, these the psychedelic, psychedelic colors. Um. You know, it's just got a terrific look to it. The use of color, like each of the worlds, like Mongo City is all red and gold. And, you know, then it goes to all green. And then you get to the like the blue and silver of uh, the Sky City. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so just it's just it is very, very like a colorful film. I never picked up on this, but each race like has its own color blood. Oh, yeah. Um, so fun has got blue blood right um and i didn't pick up like when the young tree man gets stung it's blue or uh, it, green rather right it's it's green and i always thought that was like the venom of the creature but no that's supposed to be their blood the tree men have green blood because mm-hmm. they're tree men makes sense to oh, me oh that makes sense yeah yeah uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, because they live in the bogs and the. Do trees we see the Hawkman bleed? I don't know if we do or we not. See, see a bunch of them so. get shot, but I don't think we see him bleed. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The um. Uh, I I I did like um. Roger, uh, I keep on saying Roger Daltrey for the Who. I mean, uh, Timothy Dal Dal Daltrey Daltrey or Dalton Dalton. Dalton, okay. yeah. Like so Timothy, yeah, there you go. Uh, Timothy Dalton, uh, I liked his character the best, and I could see why he almost became an A-lister and actually kind of was for a little bit um, because this showed me that he was a really good actor. So whatever happened to him, you know, you know, he, he landed up becoming more of a secondary actor later in his life, but he had that window, and uh, I wouldn't doubt that this this film helped it because uh, I felt I felt he was he was solid as hell. Yeah, he was good in Hot Fuzz too. Yeah, yeah, but that was that's after the fact. That's, that's more. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah, yeah, I I, uh, I, I uh, liked his role a lot too. I forgot how good he was in this film, even though he's the one one of the characters I always remembered. Um, and I forgot all about Clytus, but he's awesome. Yes, he's a villain too. <laughs> Yep. And supposedly there was this whole thing that they had planned where he would like be a major villain in the second film. Um, even though oh, he really? was killed, I don't know like they clone him or something because they, they, it's supposed to be Clytus who takes Ming's ring ring at the end. Was at the end? end question mark. Right. And right. I mean, we can erase the question mark now cause it's over. Um, right. and, uh, Topol's gone, so that's <laughs> one Saito's gone, and everybody else is gone except Sam Jones is still around, um, and yeah. Timothy Dalton and Brian Blessed. I guess we can get the three of them to make a movie. Right. Yeah, and Melody, whatever her name is, she she's lives in like New York or, or something. Yeah, yeah, but she's out of acting. She she left. Did either of you see the movie Ted? Yes. Is that the one about 
uh, Mark Wahlberg? Yeah, in the yeah, teddy bear that it. swears. Yeah, I heard it's really good, but I haven't seen it. <laughs> it's, it's very funny, and Sam Jones is in it making fun of himself for the whole Flash thing, and it works so well. Like, I was watching that movie going, damn it, I, I was ready to slam this movie for being incredibly dumb, but I'm laughing my ass off. Yeah, it was good, and I, and narrated by Patrick Stewart, and and <laughs> and he has fun with it too. Oh, I guess I. No, but of course, it. at the end of the movie, when uh, Ming gets impaled by the spaceship, that's just about the best thing ever. Oh yeah, great, great, uh, great landing. One of the best landings in uh, in cinema history. <laughs> that that was an awesome. Uh, death or, or almost death of a villain. I'll tell you that. That was pretty <laughs> solid. Yeah. Yeah. I remember. Um, and it still looked pretty good even today. You know, what we watching it yesterday, I was like, oh, yeah, that's mm-hmm. still, that, it, it's exactly how I remembered it. Uh, the last time I watched it back, back in the late nineties. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So did you guys spot, uh, since you mentioned our Patreon picks, uh, I think we have one Patreon pick we still haven't gotten to yet. Uh, two. Rocky Horror Picture Show and Something Wicked This Way Comes. Oh, that's right. Forgot we have Something Wicked coming. Um, so did you notice from our uh, from Rocky Horror Picture Show, Richard O'Brien was one of the tree men? Uh, I haven't seen that film I, so long. <laughs> I, I don't know. So the bald people. guy who goes into the cage in the swamp? Yes. To set oh, up... Oh, yeah, because the setup to set up Flash. Yeah, right. That's that's Richard O'Brien, writer and director and star of Rocky Horror Picture Show, who plays Riff Raff, the the butler. Mm. You know, in a in a fairly small but kind of important tertiary role uh, in the film, um, is there. Uh, so I, that that one kind of took me by surprise, um, and that's one of those things that now that I see him, I can't unsee him. Oh, interesting. Yeah, see, I hadn't seen that film until I was in my uh, the 1990s, the Rocky Horror. So I wouldn't have figured that out. But you're, yeah, that's interesting. Uh, so Richard O'Brien, what did he? He was the screenwriter of the. Oh, look at that. Richard O'Brien was a, was a screenwriter and director of Rocky Horror Picture. Uh, well, the movie was directed by someone named Jim Sharman. Oh, Jim Sharman, right? But I think he didn't he do the Broadway show. Oh, O'Brien may have done that. Oh, the Broadway, the, Broadway. the theatrical show? Uh, he may have. You mean o- o- O'Brien? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. He wrote the musical stage show, the Rocky Horror Show in 1973, which was re- remade in continuous production. Yeah, so you're right. Yeah, so he's, he's well, no kidding. How about that? So he was already pretty filthy rich probably at that time. Oh, I don't, I don't know. That. Well, uh, by now know. he is. He is now probably. That, it depends on the rights issues. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, yeah, interesting. Uh, yeah, he, I'm sure he, he probably, you're probably right. He probably did this, the stage direction. Yeah. Oh. So let's, let's talk. All right. So first of all, I was surprised. These are these things that I don't pick up on when I'm watching it in 10 years old is there is a lot of kind of innuendo in here. Um, like, Flash running around the, the leather <laughs> shorts. Uh, to get um, oh, and, and what's his face? Princess Aurora looking in uh, the mirror while he's changing. That was kind of funny. Right. right. And, 
or Ming, you know, basically the like the vows to, to just basically use Dale at his will, you know, and dispose of her when he's done with her. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it's this okay, you know, and I, yeah, it was weird. Um, so yeah, there there is the and I guess in an early version when they were going to go with a somewhat more serious take on Flash. Like the idea would be that he would basically pick the best women from the planets he conquered and use them to <clears throat> seed a new population. <laughs> who, who, Flash Gordon or Ming? No, no, no. Ming the Merciless. Ming would, oh, okay. would basically rape the women of the, 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 the planets he conquered. He would take the best women and rape them and father their children. And that would be the new generation on that world. Um, you know, when they were going to go with a somewhat more serious version of Flash Gordon, this was something that had been well, in development for a while before, uh, before Star Wars came out. Well, right. and, and it did get a little dark at, at certain points. Like there's that conversation where, where Ming is talking to Flash. He's like, eh, just let me fuck up the earth a bit and you can rule it. Yes. <laughs> And I thought that was such an interesting scene because that is the Flash is so awesome. Even the villain likes him. (laughs) That's true. That's true. Uh, Yeah. Well, well, you know, I mean, he, yeah, he was a natural leader and he was a fighter and all this other stuff. And so, yep. He, uh, instead of, uh, oh, and he already escaped death a couple of times. So yeah, yeah, he could be useful. Yeah, well, because I think at that point, it's more that he sees he's winning over the favor of the people. Right. Right. And so it's sort of that, you know, when you can't beat them, co-opt them. Right. Um, Uh, And it makes sense. Now, I want to bring up uh, the set designs um, for because, again, there's no CGI here. Um, So obviously they had to use some, some green screen stuff for like the flights and all that stuff. But but. The whole tree design sequence was awesome, mm-hmm. um, and um, uh, the 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 Ming's castle inside of his castle, uh, hall hall that was pretty awesome. I I, I, th- I just yep. thought it was pretty pretty damn good. They, they had some really good set designs. Oh, absolutely. Uh, oh, the whole the, the whole the whole um, platform fight reminded me of yeah. uh, the the Game of Thrones. Uh, let the bad man. I thought the same thing, <laughs> right? right? right. The, the sky cell, yeah, and the yeah. Well, I guess that's the advantage of like having a city in the sky, right? Is you can first yeah. of all you can dump all your waste on the tree men, right? Right. So, so there's if that. saw this film and he says, "Hey, that's a good idea. I'm going to make something like that." But yeah, <laughs> but it's also yeah, very easy to yeah, off you go. Oh, and then the beast looked like like the alien face hugger that was in the tree with the stinger. You know what I'm mm, I think that's a little bit of a stretch. The beast, would... the the little the little thing that the the tree people had to put their hands in, right? And, and uh, the little creature. Oh, inside. The other, I got it. All right, sorry. Yeah, yeah all right, I guess I can see that. It's well, they're they're both kind of insecty, scorpiony. Yeah. Uh, lots of legs, long tail. Yeah, I could see that. Um. That was cool. I, I thought it was a cool monster, but I agree with Eric. That was that scared the hell out of me as a kid. I mean, oh, I think that straight. is a, they play it straight. That's yeah. Oh, I think that's mm-hmm. a big scene, right? And again, 
you know, you, you've got Timothy Dalton playing this deadly serious, and it's part of what sells that. You know, yeah. they 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 have, um, uh, you know, Chekhov's tree stump monster, <laughs> right, is introduced, and then, for, you know, ten minutes later he comes back, because you can't just throw that in there and not have the hero stick his hand in there. It's just this weird... Like, what kind of culture was this before? Was this like a Ming thing? Was this a, what they were doing beforehand? Um, <laughs> oh, God, I'm just watching the throne room scene, and you're seeing Ming's guards who are in these tight red body stockings with thongs, or not even thongs, like jock straps and gold Do you, do you need to have a minute, Mike? Oh, just. Oh, it's, it's so <laughs> ludicrous. Well, no, because I just watched, uh, I think it might have been Deep Roy, one of the, the dwarfs in the film, you know, stabbed the guy in the ass with his sword. And so <laughs> that was awesome. That was awesome. Yeah. Well, well, that's the thing. This is this is like uh, uh, Planet of the Vampires, which Eric just just saw. I mean, the outfits yeah. are awesome. It's the best. Oh, it is. It's, like it's, it is definitely a callback, and you know, it is it is silly. These these are these are theatrical costumes by which I mean. They feel like they they were meant to be on a stage or, you know, a stage show rather than like now where like you would expect them to be in actual armor. The Hawkman armor is closer to looking like actual armor than the Ming's guards who look like they're they're walking Christmas presents. <laughs> right, right. Well, well, yeah, I mean, uh, it's, well, you know, I mean, Semple or, or whoever the, the set designer was. uh must have been a fan of the mods, you know, from the nineteenth, late nineteen sixties. Yeah. that's what it kind of reminded me of, you know. I mean, well, right, and everything, you know, with this gold lame. It gold was Austin foil. Powers. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it does feel like, in many ways, this is like a sixties story with eighties effects. Yeah, and intentionally. Yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah, it's like Barbarella. They were trying. They probably saw Barbarella, and it was. Yeah, like, I'm sure that that was probably yeah. in there somewhere. Yep. Yeah, so kind of, kind of, uh, kind of what what's that? You know, I mean, and the films men are men and women are women. It's, it's and, like the glory and, Ming wearing, and Ming is wearing eyeliner. I never noticed this. I'm just noticing. You now. never noticed that? No, Ming is wearing eyeliner. Well, it's because you brought up the whole Asian thing. I was wondering if they like put makeup on his eyes to make him look more Asian. And no, they just gave him eyeliner to make him look more look, look more like uh, Jack Sparrow, I guess. Um, yeah. Yeah, he just had the massively angled eyebrows. Right, right. right. Yeah. What about the lizard men? Those guys were cool. I, like I, I, I've never liked the the makeup on that. The the little green men. Like, there's one in the that you see running in the background, and that little floaty thing zaps yeah, it. Right. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. then there's one in the cage in the swamp. Yeah, that's right. And there's a couple in the um the dungeon too with with uh uh Flash before they. Bring him to his separate room. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. They. They. I don't see. I don't know that that looks. It's like well, well, no, face no. With two bulging white ping pong ball eyes. Yeah, I, I'm not saying that, that it was awesome because it was like realistic. Look, it was awesome because it was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There, there they go. They just popped up. Yeah. Oh my god! I'm watching the. I'm watching the torture scene now of uh, Princess Aurora, and, and it's so funny how. They uh, they angle the camera so, so you so she her her ass it, it, uh, in the tights oh in the it's just hilarious. 
this movie was awesome. The best film ever. So Just great. like the 50 other ones that are the best one ever. Oh, how about Topol? Can we talk about... It makes me happy. Can we talk about... Can we talk about Zarkov? Okay. Zarkov. Which one's Zarkov? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Topol. The Doctor. I, I really enjoy his performance in this because he is this weirdly happy, upbeat scientist who's destroyed the world. <laughs> Right, you know, right. he's and like so enthusiastic to try to save the world. He puts people with guns and he's trying to force. Yeah. But anyway, continue. Well, one of the plot points, I guess, went by my went like way over my head. Was where uh, Ming is talking to Zarkov right before they, they try to steal all his memories. And who knew that the, the key to foiling Ming was Beatles lyrics and Shakespeare and Shakespeare. Um was he says that he would do all these things, and if people just dismissed it as bad luck or the weather, then he knew they were not a threat to him, and he could ignore it. But the fact that Zarkov figured out that Ming was behind all this stuff, he knew that the Earthlings had advanced enough that they could be a threat, and therefore it was, and therefore he had to wipe them out. So it's Zarkov being smart and not and sticking his nose where it didn't belong. And what a dick. That basically got him to destroy humanity, convince him he had to destroy humanity. Um, That's true. That's a good point. I, that, I didn't think of that about that either until right it, now. It, it is also the weirdest foreign policy that I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah, um, why didn't he just suck Earth into his orbit and make them another one of his little planets? Well, I think the idea was to destroy as much of them as possible and then... I don't know. I'm not sure this makes it. Well, I do laugh. The whole idea is like, cause it's good. The moon is going to fall into the earth. Right. And, and I'm just looking, they've got the flash Gordon, uh, which, uh, the, the coffin. And it's oh, got that's his awesome. name on it. Yeah. in English, yeah. in his, in his, in the logo, in the font that he had on his t-shirt. <laughs> that's, that's right. That was awesome. Future technology, Mike. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Obviously intentional. It was funny. Yeah, yeah, but I laugh like when they say, "Oh, like the the moon's going to crash into the earth," and they do this timer countdown. And look, it's for kids. I get it. But now that I'm a, an adult who knows a, a little bit about you know about physics, um, the idea that the moon would come within one second of crashing into the earth, <laughs> and then not <laughs> means that everything is okay. <laughs> Yeah, that's kind of not how gravity works, but whatever. Yeah. <laughs> it's like they, they would return to Earth, you know, New York City and Boston and Los Angeles would have all been and London would have all been wiped off the map by massive flooding. Tidal waves. Yeah. <laughs> hey, yeah, we saved tsunamis. you all. Tsunamis. <laughs> um, uh, but again, it's a it's a it is still it's a film. It is really well, well, a kids film, right? Well, what what? what Right, right, right. And, and with with wink to the the adults that went to watch it too. Um, also, the the one thing that was ridiculous about this film, actually, probably the most ridiculous thing, was when uh, um, Flash just keeps on saying that Earth's or the people on Earth are great. <laughs> I was just like laughing every time. I just kept on thinking, Eric, 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 they suck. <laughs> yeah. They're well, like, in fairness, they don't suck as much as the people on Mongo. 
<laughs> okay. That's true. All right, fine. That's true. That's but, true. And and this was before the internet too, so yeah, <laughs> you didn't know as as yeah, much we didn't know did. about all this Jeffrey Epstein stuff. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So. Oh, but also you don't see you know as bad as like like the Paris Hiltons and Kim Kardashians are with their little purse dogs. They're not walking around with 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 midgets on chains. Yet. That's um, true. That's true. Not yet. Uh, you know, I'm I'm sure they they've they've looked into it, uh, but probably didn't pass the, uh, you know, uh, they only do it on the private they, island. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, that's true. Epstein Island. Uh, oh, jeez, that's terrible. Oh God, life is horrible. It is. It, it's so. Yeah. I, you know what? I never actually paid attention to Ming's eyebrows. Eric, but now that I'm looking at his eyebrows, mm-hmm. those are some mighty eyebrows he has there. It's oh, like, yeah, they are. It's like they said, "How want to give him the Spock eyebrows? I said, well, could you inject them with steroids? Let's go double Spock. Let's go. We're going to go. Yeah, we're going to do like caveman Spock eyebrows. <laughs> oh, my God. Those are. Yeah, I mean, I've never like screwed. Like, I've always like got the whole general impression of Ming. You know, and that, but now now I'm like really looking in at the details here and seeing like the guy liner and now the I my forget, yes those are I forget when it was but there was one point in the movie when I was watching it and I was just like good God look at those eyebrows now now so do I understand correctly that people think that these are what Asian eyebrows look like I, I don't <laughs> because, know because because I've 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 seen an Asian person or two in my life and I don't think they their don't eyebrows look, look like, like that, that. dude. Do they, is it, it's like, do they, is that where the threading thing comes from that I see in the mall? Do they just all like heavily shave them down so they don't have the Ming look? Is that the thing? (laughs) (laughs) Oh God. And I like Kala too. You mentioned Kala, you know, who's, you Mm -hmm. know, and as awesome as Clytus is, you know, Kala actually makes it kind of through most of the film. You know, Clytus actually yep. gets taken out kind of early. Yeah. Um, and she's a nice little right-handed woman, and she's mm-hmm. every bit as cruel. Yeah. And I could easily have seen her as being like a more significant role in a in a sequel had she lived. Yeah, yeah, she could have been the villain of one of the sequels. You're right. Yeah. Yeah, she and she that actress has a lot. And now part of it's like the costume, like the black and gold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Can't beat a black and gold costume. Um, it's pretty slick yeah because like, like in real life I think she has like blonde hair or something and and, and she's really good looking and I mean she passed away unfortunately from like pancreatic cast cancer at 72 or something but either way she she was um, they they really made her look I mean they, she's, they used her 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 natural beauty in a way that made with that outfit to make her look like um i'm trying to think of some other villain that i've seen like that like like a lot of i guess comic book villains right i mean because i was about to say like what's her face from he-man yeah right right exactly stuff like that yeah and and so yeah she she was really good and she played it straight too and and you wouldn't even know but she 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 has a a damn good uh uh, english accent because she's her first language is italian so uh, but she, yeah, she she really has good presence, and and yeah. a lot of it, 
Um, this is one of the things Brian Blessed, I guess. Brian Blessed like seems to take credit for a lot of stuff that happened in the film. It's kind of funny, but he uh, apparently like told Max von Sydow. He claims like that Max von Sydow was having trouble figuring out how to play Ming <laughs> because he's underneath all of this these robes, yeah. and Brian Blessed claims he told him to, to just use his hands and just and so if you watch so much of Ming's performance is in how he uses his hands. Mm. Um, I don't know if I buy that. <laughs> I wouldn't surprise me. I'm like again, Brian Blessed is not he's a he's a heavy actor in this, but he is you know he he was already an established actor by this point, um, and respected actor in in the Royal Shakespeare Company. So it wouldn't surprise me if he felt the need to do it. And you know he says. Um, you know, he apparently was like their first choice to play Voltan. And he knows that because when he walked in for the casting call, um, his picture was on the wall. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, that's and, awesome. um, and he walked in, he goes, you cast me already. <laughs> like, no, we haven't. He points to the picture on the wall. So that's me. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> well, they, they they he got some good points in, in the nego- negotiations, I guess. Yeah. Oh. oh God. Yeah. It, it is. Yeah, I cannot recommend that enough. It is such like he's clearly is like having so much joy in watching the film. Uh, and he says like, for all things he's done, he can't go a day without someone saying, "Can you say Gordon's alive?" <laughs> Get in the cab. Gordon's alive. You know, every day so many fans are shouting it at him. You know, it has apparently followed him. And unlike some people who get haunted by these things, he loves it. Mm. Right. Which I think right. is very cool. Well, and, and what helps also was, like you said, you know, he, he loved the character as a kid. So he got to play that character. So, you know, it's not like Spock, who was just cast, you know, in right. an and, and then he gets pissed. Like, I don't know, I'm better than Spock. It's like, oh, shut up. You know, well, this guy was like, this was his goal. I want to be that character. That'd be awesome, you know? Right. Uh, it's a, There's a different ownership of, it's you know, like the, uh, when it's the, a character you really love, as opposed to one that was just a job. You know, I've done lots of jobs. Remember I had that part. Nobody cares that I was the, the guy who answered the phone and them. Um, you know, nobody right. cared that he was in a Twilight Zone episode, but I get cast this guy with pointy ears for three seasons of a low-rated TV show. Yeah. Well, well, it's, and it's I like, can't get away um, from it. Uh, what Paul Schrader said, he goes, he did an interview and he was talking about how, you know, he's done this, he wrote Bull, R- Raging Bull, he's been nominated for Cat, you know, on and on. And he goes, on my when I die, my obituary is still going to say the the writer of Taxi Driver. And that's it. <laughs> go, yeah, and then you have to go further down in the obituary to read everything else. But you mm-hmm. remembered, yeah, you know, I mean, this guy's going to be remembered for this role. I mean, nowadays it's not as bad because you you always have a lot of car- actors now that you know everybody wants to be in those superhero films now, right? So because now they're real, they're considered okay. It's not you can be a Shakespearean actor and play a superhero now, and no one would poo-poo you like they would have say twenty, forty, seventy years ago. So. Um, it's a little different now, but back in those days, yeah, I, I could see how people would get all upset and grumpy about it. You know, well, people were also and still are typecast, but you know, at this point, the the business is kind of so cutthroat that um, you take whatever job you can get, and then you parlay that in sequels and things like that. And well, I'll do this movie if you let me make this movie I want to do. Yeah. Um, 
there there's all sorts of ways to to expand beyond that um you know who knows what uh, these people like like what Leonard Nimoy could have expanded it into uh but you know it's also yeah I mean when you go when you're out of work as an actor for a long time you, know, you get like William Shatner having to do that Esperanto movie you suddenly find oh, like right. new, Get get newfound respect for being able to be in a TV series and getting a regular paycheck. Um, I just, what in the world are we talking about now? I don't know. We were talking about Leonard Nimoy, not you know. I, I was well, we were talking about basically. We're talking well, it's all about back how, to the eyebrows. We're talking yes, about how Brent, uh, what's the actor's name? Uh, Brent, Brian, Brian Blessed, Blessed, Blessed uh, it was not ever upset that when people saw him the first thing they would talk about is his iconic role in this film versus uh, any other great work he's done. And it doesn't bother him that because he, uh, you know, he's happy about it. While other famous actors will always be remembered for a certain role and they don't like it. They, I did other stuff. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, I think the, the classic example of that is Alec Guinness. Oh, uh, what do you mean? Well, because he was only, no, he was only, no, no. No, he wasn't. He was nobody ever would. Nichols. Nobody would ever stop talking about the bridge over the river, Kwai. Yeah, he was Colonel Nichols. That's how I remember him. Colonel yeah, Nichols. that's how you remember him. But he 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 resented the fact that all any, anybody wanted to talk to him about was Obi Wan Kenobi. Um, and oh, about Colonel Nichols. Yeah, but you're not. You're you. That's 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 the thing. You're you're, you're a little bit of a weirdo, Phil. Um. And, and to him, I mean, it you know, it, Star Wars was just a thing, you know, and, you know, I'm curious, you know, Harrison Ford is going to be either Han Solo or probably Indiana Jones when he goes. Oh, There's not a lot of actors, right, that are not going to have that thing, you know, that no matter how much they do, there's that thing that they're known for. Yeah, yeah. Um, Colonel Nichols. Tell me, <laughs> Colonel Nichols. Absolutely. You should say it three more times because we didn't hear it the first three. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, that that that's 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 a fair point, Mike. That's a fair point. Um, and you know, obviously, some actors like Robert England, you know, they they milk it for because you know they are just relegated as supporting actors and other or B film actors um, is where they can make their money if, because they only can get supporting actors in mainstream. But yeah, you're right. Some of the bigger names. Um, yeah, I mean, well, this is like, um, you know, we're doing these job interviews today and well, why do you want to come to our school and you get the new teachers? You know what the answer is because you'll fucking pay me. Exactly. Exactly. And I want a job. No, it's a, it is a stupid question. And it's, you know, the only one I was interested in is somebody who already has an established job. Why are they leaving the job to come there? That's, that's, that's one thing. When you're talking about somebody who is never who's like looking for their first job, because you'll hire me. That's why I that's why I want to come to your school. That's what are you talking about now? And so with new actors, young actors, Jack Nicholson will do Little Shop of Horrors. <laughs> right. Um there's not a lot that'll continue to do that when they get older. And God bless the ones that, that are willing to do things like that on the cheap because they're fans. Right, right. Like Vin Diesel. Right. Anyhow, anyhow, right, right. Uh, but no, I mean that's that's kind of where we're at with this film here because you know this is the type of film. I mean, some of them, like exa- example, Timothy Dalton, 
he used this film to grow, while other actors, um, you know, Max von Sydow, I'm not sure why, or, or all the European actors that, that did it, I'm not sure why they did it, but maybe they were fans of Flash Gordon. You know, right. And the other thing I was going to say with Brian Blessed, the advantage he has is that he would then he did this and then he went back to doing Falsaf. You know, he went back to doing Shakespeare. So it did did went back to dramas. You know, right. It wasn't like, you know, he was losing jobs because they just wanted him to to play the roles of bird people in movies. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, and also this film, even even if it's not uh, didn't do as well as, as people had hoped. This film was a big, big film. Uh, you know, I mean, they got Queen to do the soundtrack. You know, I mean, so it wasn't like it was a major property, you know, Flash Gordon, whatever. So it wasn't like just some random film, you know. So I could see how people would want to be attached to it, you know. And at that time, as you mentioned, Mike, you know, science fiction films wanted to be the next Star Wars, you know. And, and right. they were hoping this Holy. would be the next Star Wars. I'm looking at Max von Sydow's IMDb page. That dude made movies for a long time. Yes, he and did. You know what? And you know what? He looked like he was the same age in every film. <laughs> His I first don't... credit was in 1949. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. And his um, last one was in 2018, and he yeah. passed away in 2020. Yeah. He, he, he yeah. But you yeah. know what? That's... That it, you think that is cool, which it is. But honestly, if you look at all the the big name actors that had long careers, whether they were B actors like Peter Cushing or, or Christopher Lee, or whether they were big time actors like Gregory Peck or Robert Mitchum or Charlton Heston, it's the same thing. They all started like when they were like twenty, and then they went all the way until they were eighty, and then they croaked. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of retire. There's a handful that do, like Gene Hackman and Jack Nicholson, most likely because they had um, Alzheimer's. They have Alzheimer's or something. But, but a lot of them will just keep on going. You know, like Ed Asner. Right. Well, a lot of it's like it's a small part. <laughs> nice, although, nice turnaround there, Phil. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> well, a lot of times it's a small part when they get older. But even at 60 years, right, 20 to 80, that's 60 years. Right. Sido sounds like almost 70 years. So it's still yeah, like, maybe. maybe. Well, that, well like Chris Plummer, right? Time. He just croaked. Yeah, uh, and I bet yeah, he started wicked young too. You know, <laughs> rest in peace. Yeah. Uh, yes, absolutely. Yeah. And and by the way, and I still I still say that is one of the the greatest makeup jobs of all time was Max von Sydow in Exorcist, um, because he does look like he's seventies or he looks like he does when he's what seventy the? years old. Oh. <laughs> Wow, right. I, just, I just nearly had a heart attack. I'm looking at his filmography, and I see Max von Sydow was in Footloose. I'm like, what the ever loving hell? It turns out there was another Footloose in 1979, not the Kevin Bacon movie. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, right, right. I still, the, the good thing about Max von Sydow, the best line was re- reading about how he became the, the Catholic Marin, Catholic priest Marin. Marin! Marin! And... And he said he had no idea anything about the Catholic Church, and so he had to get a training because he, he didn't. He's you know he's a Lutheran, so it's just kind of. Funny. I just thought that was hilarious. I don't even know how they cast him, where they even thought of casting him, but it was a great cast. But he's Max von Sydow. That's right. That's right. He's one of the one of the actors that converted from foreign language film to English language film. It's pretty impressive. Yeah. Who's in the uh, Virgin Springs? Well, that's right. That that was the the uh, film that I think made Swedish him. language, wasn't it? 
Yeah, it was Swedish language. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And that was uh, where, uh, what's his name? Wes Craven got the idea for Last House on the Left. Yep, sure was. Which, which we covered for Dark Discussions Podcast. Yeah, Eric, Eric didn't make it that week. I forgot why. I think you're on vacation, Eric, and, and we didn't know what to do, so we just suggested no, I think that. That's yeah, before we started doing group shows. No, we started doing group shows wicked early. Like at episode, you remember we looked at it episode twenty five or twenty seven. Episode fifty mm-hmm. was Alien, and that was a group show, so yeah. it was before then. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I I don't understand why the film isn't as big as it should be. I mean, this is the type of film you would think would be huge with with the cult crowd. I mean, it is, but I mean, really huge. You know, like well, everybody talks about it. I do think, and I have pondered this. I do think Ted probably has a lot to do with this film getting back in the public. Yes, I um, agree. Ted and the, and then you add into that the the Queen Who's soundtrack, Ted? the movie Ted. Oh, oh movie Ted. Duh. Because because yeah, because right. that is a running gag throughout that film, and so that introduces it, I'm sure, to a lot of younger people who would would have missed it completely. Right. Yeah, and Queen. Um, sure. And I mean, and then, it's, it's resurgent in popularity enough to get a fancy 4K release. Right. Yes. And yep. so there's that, and then I would also throw in. Um, the conventions probably help. Conventions have become such a big business prior to the pandemic, you know, and you would get these shows where all the actors would come back together, you know, and these are largely actors that are, that are retired now, but they'll still would do conventions and, and sign autographs. And, you know, so you, you would build, you know, so that's, again, it's a cross promotional. You come to see a Marvel actor and then there's these people from Flash Gordon and go, Oh, right. I remember that. I love that when I was a kid, you know, so, so it again, again, brings it up and, you know, the internet just is a great way of not letting anything ever die. True. True. Um, you know, I'm sure good. Sometimes that's bad. Sometimes it's good. So I'm sure you can pick up whatever random obscure thing. And there's a very good chance that there is a webpage dedicated to it. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Oh, there, yeah, absolutely, dude. There, there are so many things out there that there's always a, a fan base of of some amount of people about something. Look, and I promise you, in 50 years, whatever the equivalent of a podcast is, there's going to be someone out there doing a horror movie podcast, vidcast, holocast, whatever it is. Holocast. <laughs> Okay, that, that that sounded wrong. <laughs> now that I hear it, <laughs> oh, okay. Sorry. Um, Just make sure you get your vowels right. <laughs> but there's going to be somewhere out there going, oh man, like I mean, am I my horror fan? Like, because my favorite movie is The Gallows. <laughs> That person actually, will be out there. I actually thought you were going to say something like uh, the podcast is in 50 years from now ago. Yeah, I, I was listening to this these old podcasts called Dark Discussions and these guys, Mike, Eric, and Phil, and it was actually pretty good. <laughs> yeah, no, that's not going to happen. Let, yeah, we're, 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 we're not dealing in fantasy land here. <laughs> oh, we'll get a 4 release. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Oh, 
That's awesome. Or 64K or whatever the fuck it is at that point. Right, right, exactly. Uh, it'll be it'll be uh, virtual reality where you don't have to wear any glasses. <laughs> right. That'd be awesome. Uh, all right, guys, have we beat this to death? It's funny you say that just as Kala is sitting here whipping Princess Aurora. <laughs> I was kind of oh. shocked at the uh, at the vividness of those wounds. I was like, "Whoa, yes." That was pretty shocking when I was a kid. And, and when I was watching yeah. it last night, I was going, holy smokes, they're actually showing it. The, the blood and stuff. Yeah. 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 One thing I don't understand is the, the, the thing with the hands, where they've got these oh, yeah, magic yeah. flying Clytus's, hands. Clytus's magical hands, yeah, weapon hands. Yeah, yeah, that was weird. That was really weird. Yeah. That are holding Aurora down. I wonder if that, that is in the, the original comics. That was almost as weird as a random metal watermelon. Yeah. Oh, one of the things I love, little things, again, the the glory of 4K when we get to the wedding. First of all, you got Brian May's wedding march. <laughs> that was pretty awesome. I'm guessing, you know what? I was, as a guitar like, player, I appreciated that. And I was going to say, like, how weird is it that there's this alien world was that actually him playing the guitar, or was it just the music? Like, did he have a cameo, is what I'm saying. No, 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 it's, it was the music. I'm sure it's yeah. the music by Queen, yeah. so I'm sure it was Brian May playing oh, the guitar. Oh, for sure it was, yeah. yeah. Um, and, and here's Dale coming in her wedding dress, and dun, 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 you know, it's just like... But then I remembered right there, they've been watching and monitoring Earth, so clearly this is a, uh, a Mongo tradition is to play music from the bride's homeworld. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> Oh, there you go. Yeah, that's that's I love how, how they switched into the minor key because Ming is evil. <laughs> Thank you for picking that up. That's that's <laughs> that, where it's useful. But I like how there's uh, like they're flying the banner in the background, and if you look, you can read in oh, one of awesome. was. Yeah, uh, yeah, what right. was it? I I wrote oh, it down. I saw oh. it when I was watching the movie. I can't remember what it says now though. All yeah, creatures I, will make merry under pain of death. That's right. <laughs> That was awesome. <laughs> uh, and then again, keeping with the fact that we're in an alien world where everything is in English, is at the end the Hawkman fly into formation to say thank you, Flash. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. That was awesome. <laughs> oh, God. That was awesome. Uh, yeah, that was awesome. Uh, I was a big fan of that. Uh, and by the way, just. Uh, Really, really obscure when Flash, uh, since we mentioned some of the weird, some of the uh, people in this, uh, for the Harry Potter fan, Robbie Coltrane, who plays Hagrid in Harry Potter, is the guy that closes the door when Flash gets onto the plane in the mm. beginning of the film. And he oh, gets yeah. a credit, and he gets a credit in the film. It's like his first credited film, uh, film credit. It was just like it's a weird thing. Playing door guy? Play, playing doorman, yeah. <laughs> Airplane <laughs> door guy. <laughs> Well, I'll say one thing. That that opening scene uh, was was pretty solid. I'm talking about after the credits, where it's this desolate area, and then the hill. And I don't know. It was just it was really atmospheric. I, I thought it was really. Good. It was, and then you also get this weird thing where Ming plucks the pilots out of the plane. Yeah, yeah, that's right. 
which is just such a weirdly random thing for him to do. And if he hadn't done that, but then, like, you think about it, the law of unintended consequences, because he right. plucks those, those pilots out of the plane. The plane crashes into Zarkov's lab. That it gets Dale and Flash to meet Zarkov, well, well, fly it also off, kills Samanga with him. No, but it also kills Zarkov's uh, assistant. So kills Zark- someone else. So he's going to need someone else. He brings Flash and Dale with him, and they end up. Flash ends up destroying the Empire, and Dale gets into a pillow fight with his handmaidens. <laughs> I did enjoy the ruses <laughs> to get them on the rocket. Like the phones uh, in here, they're like, "Oh, actually, okay." Actually, they get actually, on the, the fucking rocket, and they're like, uh, "Where's the phone?" That was funny. Uh, actually, the pillow fight was between. Uh, 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 Princess Aurora and Dale. So, so yes, was I was it. Two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was uh, and, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it oh, is. Love- it is. Oh my God! This, this really. I know we were focusing. We focused on on the on the well, main thing, but man, the, the the it is so unwoke as far as Dale's character. You know, the pillow fight. The hey, here's this drug for you to make the raping go easier. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Oh my god. Oh, also also uh, I love the um the people that were going after Flash and the Hawkman, um the soldiers in the spaceship. They were they were obviously trying to be like the the empire in Star Wars. Like they, they were very technical and stuff. Uh sh- should we flush them out, sir? Uh yeah, electrify the the I don't know. It was just it was in the plane of straight, dude. And they they're dressed right. like monk like uh like Halloween costumes from you know some B movie. It's awesome. And did you see it the, in the end, like when the plane, when they're when they're flying Ajax, I think is the name of the ship, into Mongo City, and the the Mongo City is shooting the lasers. The lasers are swords. <laughs> oh, that's cool. They're little animated swords flying out. They're shooting sword beams, like some old Atari Twenty Six Hundred game. That's good. It's it's just a weird. It's it's weird. It's funny. Uh, and, and like they don't use little sword beams the rest of the film, but they're like little sword well, beams. That's the thing that you just keep on saying, Mike. You keep on saying it's weird, but this is the stuff we grew up on. It's not weird to me at all. This is how it is. This, no, I, this, thought, I, 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 I never picked up on that. And then I was watching like, Star Blazers and Shogun Warriors. Star Blazers! And, oh my god! Yeah, and, and Flash Gordon, dude. That this is what we were watching. This now I want to listen to the Star Blazers theme song. Yeah, so this Our is a blazers. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. This is not weird stuff. <laughs> That's all I this remember. <laughs> no, no, I, I mean, uh, Destro, 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 or whatever the guy's name, they would chant his name. It was kind of funny. Uh, oh. Yeah, no, this, this is what it's about, Mike. This ain't weird stuff. They, you're supposed to have the, the laser beams that look like swords. <laughs> Okay. Dude, we watched Wonder Woman and the Hulk and the seven million dollar man and, and Bionic Woman and Charlie's Six million dollar man film. Six. Right. I apologize. Inflation, Eric. Inflation. <laughs> That's right. And, and Charlie's <laughs> Angels and, and and all this stuff, Mike. This is this is the this is the real TV. Uh, That's that's this is not weird stuff. This is good stuff. This is good. This is old stuff. It is old. Yeah. We are old. Oh yeah, Doctor Who with with uh, Baker. So so all I mean all that stuff is is no more or no less cheesy than this. And, yeah, this, it, and it's and we use you know He Man. You know all that stuff. It is it's, weird to me to look at Timothy Dalton or 
Max von Sydow or Brian Blessed and think, oh, my God, they look young. I don't mean <laughs> not like, oh, look, look how young they are compared to how they look now. I mean, I look at them and think, oh, my God, they look young compared to me. Oh, I see. Yeah. Except Max von Sydow. He always looked like he was the same age. Uh, yeah. Yeah, kind uh, of. Uh, but yeah, Daltrey, I haven't seen him lately, so I don't even know what he looks like now. But but yeah, yeah. You know what though? I don't it doesn't bother me because these this is how they were first seen by me and, and been imprinted in my mind. So now if I looked at them, I would be more horrified because I'm like, oh my god, they're old. Why don't yeah, they look no, like that's, they that's, that's, that's the flip side, yeah. Yeah. That's how but, I when that. you get like Tom Hanks playing a grandfather, yeah, that's when you go, Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, well it's like Rod, uh Roddy Fox. Uh uh, when, you know, I, I know him from, from Deliverance and RoboCop and all, and then suddenly I see him, you know, right before he's dead, that he passes away. And it's like, what? Right. When he had that, like one episode of Dexter. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, what the heck? That's exactly the one episode of Dexter. That's exactly right. I, I yeah, remember like, talking about that in our Dexter episode. I was like, what the heck happened? You know? Yeah. That's so what, like, I'll say with how how Holbrook recently passed away when like I think oh he's another guy that never aged he always looked well like he him. aged but he just looked like he got he was Hal Holbrook shrinking in on himself he was yeah, just yeah. he That's just fair. looked like older yeah. Hal Holbrook uh, and still had the same hair uh, but no but Ronnie Cox was almost unidentifiable um, it's true true so yeah, yeah it's, it's very interesting and depressing yep <laughs> indeed. And I'm just watching Flash sink into the swamp, and he like goes into the quicksand. And as his head goes under, I keep forgetting about this. There's like somebody throws dirt over him. Oh, I did. I remember that. Yes, they did. I'm like, yeah. why? Who thought? Now throw the dirt. Throw the dirt. That'll be authentic. <laughs> when I was watching it last night, I was thinking maybe he did it himself when he, when he was flailing. But you're right; it was probably just someone. No, because he's, he's completely submerged. Yeah. It's just. Like, but 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 you get the like great there's a dog right off now. to the side that's covering up its poop. You know, you get, just, you get right. That's true. But you get the uh, the the crab scene right after, which is awesome. Yep. Yeah. And there, and then Baron saves him to kill him. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. That's awesome. Oh. Yeah. Well, but even was, even like the giant crab thing is is just such a cool effect, and it's obvious. Like it's just um, you know these these Halloween decorations with a inflatable air bladder, but it still looks neat. It looks to me disturbing. Oh, it's really yeah. really well done. Yeah, no doubt. Also, I was always wondering why um, Vulcan made him do the uh, Flash do the the little uh, fight with Prince because. Wasn't didn't Flash save one of the Hawkmen out of the the cave the cage I mean the cage thing Oh because it was um there's because it's a rule right and this is I, there's there's they set up these rules and one of the rules is that you can't uh ransom a prince without first giving him the opportunity for trial by combat and Voltan's fully expecting Baron to pick himself as the combatant and Baron picks Flash Oh, because right. he'd rather right. fight the guy that he's he's not liked for five minutes than the guy that he's not liked for his whole life. <laughs> right, right. Gotcha, gotcha. All right. Uh, to the point, like, remember that where they were about to kill each other uh, in Ming's palace. 
Um, right. Where yes, they were told awesome. to stop, and they were still about to and willing to risk Ming's wrath just to to bludgeon each other. Right. 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 That's true. Yeah. Uh, there, there really is an interesting political fit world there to dissect and like look at all the ways that Ming is like pitted these people against each other. To me, he's yeah. merciless. Yeah, you might might even say that. Yes, that's right. Ming the merciless. Uh, uh, anything else, Mike? That you wanted to bring up? No, no, that's it. It's just I, I just reframed it on Baron pointing the crossbow <laughs> that shoot the thing, and it's just shooting regular lasers. It's not shooting regular little sword lasers. So go oh, that's it. bullshit. <laughs> Hey, like I, hey, I named all that cheesy stuff, man. It's all good. Uh, it's all good. It's fun. It's all I'm saying is it's fun. Yeah. All right. Fun movie. Fun. It's just nice to talk about something silly and fun and and make you laugh. Uh, laugh with it, not laugh at it. Well, with a few exceptions. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I have uh, no laughter for this film at all. This is a great film. Oh, I only show respect for this film. It's great. That's how everybody should think. Jesus Christ, Phil. Yeah. I'm flying everybody blind on a rocket like cycle. Oh, yeah. Well, it's it's a joyful film. It's, it's it is. It isn't <laughs> serious. It's it, you know, it, it, and therefore makes, Phil should be ruler of the universe and force everybody else to think the a, same way he does. Joyful film about rape how, and murder and pillaging. I don't know how <laughs> Eric Hillifice. jumps from from saying everybody should like this film because it's a good film to he wants to rule the world. <laughs> you just said everybody should think that way. That's how I got they there. Should, but, but they should, but they won't. Uh, uh, all right. Uh, so I think we can probably uh, give our final thoughts and stuff. So uh, before we do that, uh, Eric, you actually do another podcast with your buddy Dan. I do. It's a general interest podcast called the Scancy Podcast. That's spelled A-S-K-A-N-C-I-T-Y. You can find it wherever you got this one. Excellent. And uh, Mike, uh, me, you, and Eric, and sometimes other co-hosts do a weekly podcast? Uh, yes, that would be the Dark Discussions podcast, where we talk about uh, horror film, fiction, and all that is fantastic. Um, that is a weekly show. We're on episode 480-ish, somewhere thereabouts. <laughs> uh, I think you at some point... You never know what the release order of these things. It's at 479 so, well, as, as the time we record this, which, by the way, is uh, March 22nd, 2021. Uh, we, we're at 479. So in a couple of days, we'll be at 480, whatever film that was that we recorded four years ago that might get <laughs> released. Now, or, nope, it's going to be The Sinners. It's going to be The Sinners. All right, yeah. the new uh, low-budget uh, indie film, The Sinners. It came out uh, late February 2021, I believe. Right. Uh, I, I'm kind of, kind, of, kind of surprised, like, at some point, we, it isn't just like, like you get a note saying, okay, you can stop counting. You, you've got a lot of them. <laughs> You just, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, good. Yeah. But yeah, so that that's a thing, and still going, and we've got another one coming up in three days. Um, it's a hell of a fucking title too. <laughs> that's um, right. But uh, yep. So but, come so, listen to so us how there. Do, 
So you said you said four. What, what number did we say? Four seventy nine was it or three seventy nine? You said four seventy nine. Four, four seven. So we're, gonna, we're gonna have over a, almost a half a thousand five hundred. That's crazy. We're getting there. A half a thousand in twenty weeks or so. Uh, that would put us in the in the middle of the summer. Yeah. Crazy. Yep. Five hundred. That's nuts. Yeah, and and we uh, haven't even discussed uh, about the summer. You know, which maybe we would want to do at some point in uh when our when our when our one of our regular co-hosts comes back. Mm. Right, right. Um, yeah, and Eric, Eric's done pretty close to five hundred escancities too. That's crazy. We just did uh, actually a little, but we're a little behind this the dark discussions because you can bank dark discussions episodes, but we can't really bank escancity because we do kind of current events. So. Right, right. We're at four fifty. Yeah, but, but I want to, but I want to point out between dark discussions, the Scantity podcast, you know nothing, Jon Snow, Cinema a la carte, uh, Bullets, Brothels, and Bots, a Westworld podcast, uh, an occasional uh, guest stint on was it the Midnight Movie podcast, Midnight <laughs> the Midnight Drive-In podcast, Midnight yeah. Drive-In podcast, and now the Basement Movie horror Basement podcast. Movie cast, yeah. Uh, Eric, Eric may have passed not the half thousand there, Phil, yeah, but the actual over a thousand, thousand po- podcasts. <laughs> it's it's possible. I would have to do an accounting, but it's it's possible. And it's you know very what? possible that he could have maybe even over two thousand hours of podcast. Discussion. Oh, that's it's almost like, assured. It's it, for, and I'll translate it to sports analogies for one for Mike and one for Eric to make it sound uh, more, I guess. <laughs> Easy to understand. Basically, it's like Warren Moon, all those years he played in the Canadian Football League, and then he came to the National Football League, and if you add all those numbers together, it's huge. And it's like, huge, it, yes. It's like Ichiro Suzuki playing in Japan, and he gets a 1,000 hits there, and then he comes to the U.S. and gets 3,000 more. Yeah. It's huge. I could figure it out if all the episodes were up on the website, but they're not, so I can't well, go back. If the average football game is three hours long, that would that's basically Eric has recorded the equivalent of six hundred and sixty six football games. <laughs> I like that number. Yeah, yeah. Uh, indeed. All right. So uh, let's get our final thoughts on uh, this here. But before we do, um, also, uh, we, we do have a couple other podcasts that just wrapped up to a discovery of. Witches, Demons, and Vampires, uh, which was the podcast on season two of the television series uh, Discovery of Witches. Uh, and uh, you can find that as well. Uh, all right. So, uh, Eric, uh, what about you? Your final thoughts on this film here, Flash Gordon? Uh, this movie's a lot of fun. Um, yeah. So if you're into campy movies and uh, sci-fi, check it out. All right. Uh, for me, um, uh I'll rephrase to make Eric happier. Not everybody should love this film or enjoy <laughs> it, but, but it is a good enough film that if you had your eyes, uh, let me rephrase, if you had your an open mind, an open mind, you could probably love this film. So it's definitely a film you should check out. It's it's a really good time. It's fun. And uh, it's uh, everything that's good about movies. <laughs> Mike. And if Eric was a single football team, it would be 41 seasons worth of football games of podcasts he's recorded. God, which now is, I just want to kill myself. Which is, which is still not as long as it's been since the Jets have won a Super Bowl. 
<laughs> I knew you were going there, Mike. I knew you were going there. That's awesome. <laughs> All right, I'm sorry. Uh, so that was a silly comment for a silly movie, a fun movie, and it's weird for a film that was and kind of like dated at the time it came out. It's kind of caused to become somewhat timeless. It's a it's it's strange. Um, again, you have to be of the right mindset when you're watching it, and if you can enjoy something campy, if you can enjoy, you know, the old uh, Batman and Robin TV show, if you you know you can certainly enjoy Flash Gordon. Just know that you're it's. This is not something serious. It is not something, you know, like Star Wars or Dune. It is silly. It is fun. It is campy. It's enjoyable. You know, all the performances are as they should be for everything, and that's turned up to 11. So, uh, yeah, if you can find it, you can, you, can, you can rent it. You can stream it. I'm sure it's available. It wouldn't, it wouldn't shock me if it's available free to stream. But my recommendation is to go get the Arrow box set. And really enjoy yourself and, and just immerse yourself in all the extras, especially that Brian Blessed uh, commentary track. Well, and, and Mike, just to chime in there, uh, the box set, I'm sure, is fantastic for people who are in, into this movie as you are. Um, there's a limited number of those that they sell, but you can also just get the 4K movie with all those special features you've been referencing. Oh, that that too. Or, but then there's also a reason why God gave us credit cards. <laughs> True. true. I'm just saying, some people are collectors and some people just like movies. That's all. Yes. Yep. That's true. That's true. And uh, uh, so, yeah, for folks that are curious, again, this is space opera and not hard science fiction. So um, that's that's why it works. In a sense. So, uh, all right. So uh, once again, this is uh, 1980s Flash. Gordon, or specifically 1980 itself, uh, directed by Mike Hodges, produced by Dino De Laurentiis, screenplay by Lorenzo Semple Jr., uh, based off of the original uh, Flash Gordon from the 1934 uh, by Alex Raymond, uh, starring Sam Jones, Melody Anderson, Amela Moody, Max Wansaito, Timothy Dalton, Mariangela Mulatto, Brian Blessed, Peter Wingard, and Chaim Topol, along with Queen doing the soundtrack. So, come back. Uh, well, actually, I'll let Eric say that. Eric, why don't you lead us out? Awesome. Gordon's alive! <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for tuning in. Let's talk about Flash Gordon. Come back next month. We'll have another topic for Cinema a la carte. <laughs>